boiler is in. The new boiler has arrived for all of you who were <laughs> on the edge of your seat about my, uh, <laughs> let's be honest, my washing situation. We all, we all, we're all concerned about it. The boiler's in, the new boiler is in. And so for the last 10, 11, 12 years, I've had a, a temperature thermostat situation where it's just on or off. It's on boiling hot or it's off completely cold. And now I can control the temperature of my hot water separately to my radiators. What do you mean control? <laughs> no, that's, isn't that what a tap is for? I'm so confused. What do you mean control the water? water when you turn your hot tap on, my boiler can make it colder than, than burning, scalding hot. Uh, this is a revelation to me. My mind is blown <laughs> by the things I can now do with my boiler, with my fairly basic boiler. I mean, I have, wow. I mean, and I'm I pretty can... relieved for, for, for you, for your son, uh -huh. for... The world in my local area. Yeah. <laughs> How is being a mum such a roller coaster? One moment you're flying high, snacks are good, people are happy, and you're feeling top. The next moment everyone is crying, someone's had a tantrum, and you've eaten all the biscuits hiding in the kitchen. Throw a pandemic into it, each day is as unpredictable as your mother in law after she's been drinking. We're Liz and Fee, mums of preschoolers, and we are desperate for mums to be more honest, letting others about how hard all of this is and seek solidarity from those who are going through what you're going through. Parenting is hard enough as it is without having to spend all your time with your children. Welcome to Parenting in a Pandemic. It's one of those things, isn't it, when it's like, oh, how much do I want? Yeah, how much do I want water and heating? And in the summer, you can kind of... To get away with it a little bit but even when it gets remotely cold it's it's a it's just a non-negotiable isn't it it's one of those things yeah. you, it's one of those things and we're very lucky we live in the UK and you know we can choose to have it but oh yeah life without it is tough especially with kids yeah it's been and, you know it's been a journey you've all been on it with me I thank you greatly <laughs> for your patience talking of, of uh, hot water and and um, heating although it's well it's kind of relevant we had bath time this evening and so the kids have been at the grandparents all day had a brilliant day came home um and penny's i mean you you're gonna know where i'm going with the story as soon as i said it her nappy was relatively empty when she came home and i thought oh uh. that's yeah well, that's funny. She hasn't had a wee, but she she sometimes has a bit of a wee in the bath. Gross, but unavoidable, right? Yep, sure. Got her out of the bath and went into the other room to go and get her milk that was heating. And I came back and she just urinated all over, not only on the bed, just my side of the bed. So she'd, <laughs> <laughs> she'd lay down, she'd lay down and it was like a torrent of water. It's gone through the hole, it's gone through the duvet, through the sheets. So it's obviously, what time is it? So we're doing this in the evening. So it's gone, yeah. it's going through the washing machine at the minute, but, um, you know, it's going to have to go through the tumble dryer. We can't air dry it. No. Uh, why? What, what, go, you know, I understand she's not potty trained. You know, she's only, she's, I don't know, two and yeah, her awareness of kind of where she yeah. has to be, it's not there. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't get it, but it's just so annoying. And it's why the, does it it's have the beauty to be of it being side? on, yeah, it's the beauty of it being on your side that's so It's perfect, always my it? side. It's always my side. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter where we are. If it's, it, it's my clothes, it's my shoes, it's my, furniture it's my whatever it is it's only maybe, yep. maybe it's because my husband is very minimalist so he would love it if we lived in Japan where they have very few things everything's you know he loves those what they call the futon beds you know very yep. low to the ground yeah um he loves the whole lifestyle and whenever I bring more stuff home he's like oh it's more things isn't it more <laughs> <laughs> more, more things on the wall and more more bits of stuff that we you know that we do I think you know we, we we find a fine line but it's as a consequence it's my stuff that gets trashed it's never yeah ever his ever although I have um, to say 
you can pee on a futon just as easily as you can pee on a bed. That I is mean, true. It's going <laughs> to soak through whatever, isn't it? Let's be honest. But it's like they know. It's it's a kind oh, of... Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, they totally do. I'm certain. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they've got it in them. But, um, but anyway, alas, so the washing machine is on. This comes back to the whole boiler thing. So you take these things for granted until you don't have them. Absolutely. Yeah. In the days absolutely. gone by when we didn't, when you know families didn't have washing machines that would have been a write-off you know that would have been sleeping under a I was gonna say like a hessian sack like <laughs> were you in the middle ages yeah apparently next to the donkey <laughs> on my bed made of straw <laughs> I don't know where I was going with this um but yes, I remember I'm very very glad you've got your boiler fixed well done me too I remember the day my grandmother my maternal grandmother got a washing machine for the first time um she was absolutely very anxious my grandmother and uh super crazy super anxious um and it, she was absolutely terrified of electricity or things that might leak or flood and uh eventually after I mean, she must have been in her 70s um mm because I was old enough to remember it uh, and she wasn't a young grandmother particularly. I remember her <laughs> being, she'd been she, up until this point with two children and a husband that did nothing. She'd been washing the children's clothes with one of those sort of twin tub turny thing. We had to turn a oh, massive yes. handle manually yes. washing clothes. Yeah. You know, and this is, you know, up until what the nineties she was doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually we convinced her to, to buy a washing machine we bought her a washing machine um, and she was so terrified of the electricity and the, the potential for it flooding or catching fire that she sat up all night watching it go oh. like in the, put the, she put the cycle on at night and just sat there watching it terrified what was she wondering that was going to happen that was going to oh, catch on fire fire, flood, plague, I don't know just <laughs> full, full blown you know anxiety, bless her um, but it does. It just really makes you think, doesn't it? How far um, mm. things have come, technology-wise. We were talking about it just before we started recording, because you know, there's always a technological issue, isn't there? Just for funsies. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but how far we've come, and how much there is to learn, and how rapidly all of that stuff changes, and how scary it can be. Mm -hmm. We used to have. Um, is it a mangle? Mangle. Yes. Yes. Yeah. My my mum kept one for years and years. She kept it amazing. Every I'm not really sure why. We also had one of the really old Singer sewing machines with the like you yeah, have to put your foot on it and it turn it. Still do. Yes, yeah. Um, Love them. And, you, and I remember thinking as a child, looking at them, going, "What on earth is this? Like this is just this <laughs> kind of these bizarre machines that require quite a lot of labour." Yeah. Um, you know, and now we, you know, I remember learning something at uni about evolution although I'm not actually sure how correct it is because I, I'll i come back to this I'm jumbling what I'm saying I learned something at university where we have a um, finished evolving really quickly because we've invented things like microwaves where we just have to press a button and it cooks stuff so it makes it really soft so that our teeth don't have to you know change shape and we don't have to you know we've literally got everything at our disposal there's no, nothing else for us to do yeah. as humans yeah um mm. subsequently though I have read an article because I do find anthropology really interesting about how more and more people or less and less people are being born with um what do you call them wisdom teeth, teeth. <laughs> That also. Oh, really? That's interesting. Um, yes, less and less people have been born with wisdom teeth because we just don't need them. So I'm not sure how informed wow. my lecture was because surely that seems like an evolutionary trait. Um, I could have misread that. I'm also not a lecturer, so maybe I've got that wrong. But yes, it's interesting. I feel you know we have we have a lot of luxuries in life, and it's important to remember about moaning about you know yes washing machines and boilers and things like that but they are very handy and yes. I'm glad that we have them absolutely um, and if evolution is slipping backwards then I'm not sure that's entirely a bad thing let's be honest hmm. is it really <laughs> we, we might we might need to undo some stuff with 
some of the stuff that we've done, oh. right? Don't you think? Yeah, That's, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go on a climate change rant, but, you know, there's one there. We might need to I, take a few steps back and assess the situation, <laughs> guys. Folks, I felt come on. in lockdown, looking at all the parks, mm. because so many of the parks were overgrown with weeds going past and things coming through, and it reminded me of the book, you know, Earth Abides, about how long it takes yes. for the world to go back to, to reset. what it was to reset um you know not that long apparently (laughs) before things start (laughs) coming in so you know it's anyway this is this is a tangent our um yeah i know where's our where's our neat segue that we know (laughs) we don't have a segue i'm just gonna i'm gonna i'm just gonna bulldoze through okay Um, go our guest today is lou from the mama's village and um i came across lou on instagram And something that I love about Instagram is that Facebook doesn't have is the exposure to so many different platforms and businesses that you just you don't get for all its pitfalls of social media. I have to say the connections that you can make with people and quickly is something that I'm really I think is just wonderful. And as parents and as mothers, it's that kind of instant built community and I don't think I would have come. I don't think I would have known about um, about the Mama's Village before. And I'm so grateful that I did. And you know, we've we connected and we chatted for a while. And it's something I'm sure Lou will go in and, and describe in much better detail than I. But something that we've missed in the last year for a range of ages is classes. And, you know, I think back about when our babies were really tiny about just you just take it for granted, being able to sign up for a class and turn up and it's all laid out for you. And you have a knowledgeable, friendly teacher who welcomes you and you can chat away and then leave. (laughs) And there's no cleaning up. And, you know, everybody understands if you're late and everybody understands your baby's crying the whole time. Your kid wants snacks or there's this kind of common thread it's a safe space it's an absolute safe space and you take that away and um oh it's you know I I really feel for all those women especially with newborns that have had all that time on their own but um but yeah we'll bring bring Lou in we'll say say hi and uh, maybe she can tell us a bit more bit more about what she does and a bit more about the classes Hello. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for joining us. It's 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 so lovely to have you. Um, do you want to just give a bit of an overview about you and what you do and where you're based? Just just sort of a bit of an introduction. I can. So I'm Lou. I work for the Mummers Village. I run classes over in Windsor, Maidenhead, and Ascot. There are seven teachers for the Mummers Village. Um, the other teachers operate over Surrey. So we're in Farnham, Guildford, Cranley, Godalming, Hazelmere, Camberley, Byfleet, Woking, all over that way. And then I'm on the Berkshire Borders. Um, all of our teachers are trained and teach antenatal classes, hypnobirthing, and all of our postnatal baby classes to provide that continuity of care, particularly for the mums, so that we get to know them on the antenatal classes. And then we see them on the other side once they are as a mother with their babies which is just so lovely and we've had we've all gone back to teaching face-to-face classes this week and myself I've had about four or five mums that have returned this time around with their second baby so they were with me when I first started two two and a half years ago they're now toddlers and they're back with their little ones um and lots of mums that I met over zoom all the way last summer when they did, I did baby massage over Zoom with some of them that were kind of six, seven, eight weeks old, and then they rock up today and they're walking because they've just turned oh. one. Oh my yeah. God. How did that happen? <laughs> Where did that year go? Yeah. Just to, yeah, we take pride in what we do in that we get to know our mums. We run quite small classes. We keep 
our maximum normally in the olden days would be about 12 people in a class but now we're a bit smaller I have a maximum of nine in classes because obviously we have to socially distance now but taking the time to get to know each other getting to know the mums and the babies and just Mm -hmm. seeing them through watching them grow as they go through the classes is just Mm -hmm. so lovely and I've had I've been very, very lucky to have lots of mums that have joined me in baby massage and then have done every subsequent class since then. So I have literally watched them from, well, it's not just me, it's a majority of the teachers see it, that we see the babies from kind of six, seven, eight weeks old all the way through to when they're toddlers and then having the mums come back with their second babies or third babies even. I've got one coming up with a third baby. Amazing. Um, which is just How really, lucky. really lovely. And what's the change that you've seen over the last year in terms of mum's mental health or, you know, well-being? And and where do you see them now as they're coming back into things? What's the, we were talking a little bit about this before, before we started recording, but, you know, we're talking about the different stages that everyone's at, different places that everyone's at. I think that's exactly right. Everyone is at a different stage. We've got mums that are desperate to be out of the house and will have signed up to three classes a week just because they feel either that they need it for their sanity or they feel that babies missed out on the socialization the interaction you know we've had some mums that came today whose babies were so excited and were shrieking with just pure excitement and the comments were she's never seen another baby before Oh, and gosh. This one baby was six months old yesterday. And she said she's literally never seen another baby before. No, of course. Um, oh, wow. And she said she lives in quite a remote village. She said, you know, all, all we've really done for six months is go out for a walk. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then on the flip side, you've got some mums that will say that this is this whole past year has been a blessing in disguise, that they haven't felt the pressure to be anywhere or be doing anything or how do I put it? Not almost kind of put put on this front of mm-hmm. I'm totally fine and I'm capable and this is fine and I'm having a great mm-hmm. time and we're, you know, we're fine all of the time. And if you're having a bad day, you don't need to be anywhere then you can just have a bad day at home and nobody sees you You don't have to put on this front if you don't feel up to it or you just Mm. just have a bit of a crap time you you can cocoon can't you in that space and and there are definitely I've had comments some comments from mums that have said you know this we're it's been a very positive time for many reasons either the fact that they have just got to find their own feet in their own time without being rushed or mm-hmm. you know just if they um had a rough first couple of months that they could just live it and get through it and other positives have definitely more comments definitely in the past couple of days have been about how partners have been around more to spend more time with babies you're taking out that commute that would normally be one two three hours a day that the partner's not doing you know being around in the morning or being around in the evening definitely have been some positives around it but then on the flip side definitely some nervous people um, over the past couple of days because either they haven't really ventured out at all or they're still very cautious about where they go and what they do and who they see obviously we're all working within these rules and parameters of social distancing and masks and etc and mums you know struggling to contain crawling walking babies that just don't understand that they have to stay on their (laughs) they can't go over and poke that other baby in the face they have to just Where they are, which is really hard because they've missed out on so much. They've missed out on yes. that interaction. They've missed out on that socialization. They've missed out on just being a baby. How have, how have you managed? Because obviously if, when your life and your work is in person mm-hmm. and you're doing these classes in person and then suddenly it's switched to everything's online... You know, how did you cope with that? Because that must have been really difficult. That must have been technically very difficult because teaching a class online has its limitations, but also emotionally, you know, part of, I'm, I'm assuming that a, a big part of your job is, you know, connecting with women and making yeah. them feel safe and looked after. How did you, you know, how did you manage that? 
I didn't manage very well in the beginning mm. because we had to stop midterm. Um, so this was early March last year where we just had to stop midterm. I think I was three weeks into a six-week term running five classes in a day that were all fully booked. It was my busiest term ever. I was fully booked on every class, had waiting lists for classes. It, it felt like I was doing really well. <laughs> it felt like I kind of put all this groundwork in and it was starting to pay off, like the recommendations were coming through. And it takes a really long time for a small business to establish themselves particularly when yes, you're kind yes. of working as uh, as an independent you know we we as teachers we're all responsible for our own area so we are responsible for our own marketing responsible for our own advertising responsible for generating our own bookings and there are lots of bigger more established businesses that have that reputation and their reputation precedes them so it took a lot of blood sweat and tears to go into it to kind of build that business up and I felt like that yeah. term that February March term was my best yet and I felt excited by it and then when we were just we had the conversation of you know you need to stop and you need to stop immediately Ugh. <laughs> we didn't have that opportunity to be to do one last class and you know kind of gear everybody up and say this is going to be our last class because yeah. then then we have to stop it was a you have to stop from today it's just gone just yeah. now stop how quickly did you move online so I had three classes left of that term we basically stopped that term and offered everybody a credit or to defer to a following term and just said you know it's to be confirmed we don't quite know when mm. we'll be back in person but I do remember writing an email saying hopefully it won't be it'll only be a matter of a couple of months yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. you know I'll it's... see you around June time <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's only going to be a few weeks well, we just didn't really know no we had no I idea I remember having a conversation with my mum over the phone about probably a week into the first lockdown and her saying, oh, how long do you think it'll last for? And I said, oh, I've kind of geared myself up for it to be until at least the second Maybank holiday. And she was just, you know, <laughs> shocked with the, oh, my God, well, I hope it's over by Easter. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, I think it might be a little bit longer than that, but yeah. definitely not thinking that it would be months and months. But it just it, some classes we couldn't move online. We can't do messy play online because that's not the point of messy play. They come to us so that they can make the mess in our hall and leave us to clear it all up and then <laughs> go home. But so we couldn't move some classes online. But we did our best to run as many classes as we could online. And certainly, I personally know from speaking to mums at the time and obviously seeing them even now face to face. I saw one baby today who was nine months and I last saw him when he was six weeks old in the summer. And his mum said, you know, even just doing that course one hour every Thursday afternoon gave us a bit of structure. Mm. Yes. And yeah. I've had other comments of, um, I went, I met some of my mums for a walk a couple of weeks ago. And they said, you know, sometimes you just think, I really can't be asked to do an online class. What am I going to get out of it? Is it, oh, I just really can't be bothered, feel a bit tired, feel a bit sluggish today. But actually when they did it, they felt better. They felt like it had given them structured sense of achievement for the day. Baby had enjoyed it, got a bit of interaction. They got to speak to, you know, actual humans and mm. still get to keep in touch and talk to other mums that are also going through this crappy time. So yeah, yeah. online. It's it, better than nothing, isn't exactly. it? <laughs> it's not a 10 out of 10, but it's definitely not a zero mm. either. It's exactly. And it's different. And I uh, certainly from my the, the work that I do running arts events and dance events, um, you know, we, we had to move online. The dance network is incredible. And they just immediately, within a week, they were all online. They were all set up and ready to go. They responded so quickly. And and then there was a little period, and there certainly was for me, running training and things online, where you thought, oh, why isn't it working? Why can't I transfer what I did in person straight onto the online space? And you can't. It's different. It, and it's completely different. It's, you know, it's apples and oranges. Is that a saying? I don't know. I don't. No, they're not that different. They're more like apples and oranges that are similar, but well, different. Oh, gosh. Okay. 
bear with me, people. I'm going somewhere with this. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> but the, the the acceptance I had to come to as a as a practitioner online, as a teacher online, um, was that I'm doing something entirely different, and I'm not going to achieve the same things I did in person. You can't do messy play online. You're absolutely right. So you do something completely different, and I think what that's left mm. us with after all of this time is a different skill set which yeah. is a positive. You, we can now do stuff online really, really well. And it's not the same and it should never replace face-to-face. But it does have other benefits. And one of the things I've really noticed is that for mothers with new babies, there's a flexibility to being online that you don't have face-to-face. You don't have to get in the car. You don't have to pack a nappy bag. You don't have to have seven changes of clothes. You don't have to put makeup on. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to do all of that stuff. There is still a place for you to to work online, I think, and for, for all of us to work online because it, there's still a, a group of women who can't get out the door sometimes. You just can't. Sometimes you just can't get out of the house. So that online space, I'd love for us to keep some of that because it makes things so much more accessible. How we blend the two because we need both, I don't quite know. But there is something... There's something really um, open and and powerful about that online community. So we did like a music lang- music language course that we were doing. I was, had both of them, and I was just reaching the stage. So this would have been March last year, where it was getting quite difficult to manage both of them. So there's two years age gap between them, and at the time, my youngest was just walking only just walking and my other one was just running all the time just <laughs> running behind the curtain running to the back of the hall running under the tables and I was like I can't this is getting really difficult to, to manage them and then I thought that was hard and then so the class went online and we did the online for a bit and I just couldn't get them I could not get them to engage they were just not interested at all at looking at a screen neither of them and I thought oh this is so annoying because the class is so nice it's called bilinguising and they've got various franchises and it's like it's just beautifully run the lady who runs it just does such a good job and I was gutted because I was like well I thought I there was me thinking naively probably oh well online's going to be easier because they're in the room with me and they can, you know, they, they love watching TV and that this will be great. And I won't, you know, I won't have to pull them away from the Masonic center every Wednesday with one of them crying. Uh, but it just didn't work. And I just thought, Oh no, where does this leave me? And now the classes are back and actually the, the day doesn't work anymore, but it kind of got me thinking like you were saying, Liz, about a blend of the two because with kids as well, developmentally, they change all the time. What they're interested in one in one moment, they're not going to be interested in a few weeks' time. And you're right, there's something about... Because we've done various things. Liz ran an amazing... It was like an online disco. And both of them were into it, really, really into it. They loved it. They were dancing around. We put fairy lights up and, you know, excellent music. You know, it was, it was really good. They that they kind of love but the the sort of the class structure so but without this pandemic we never would have been exposed to that and you know there's absolutely you know oh okay well this uh, this aspect of it works so I'm guessing you had a bit of trial and error with you know watching especially with the toddlers did you find oh they're they're interested now not interested now did you find it was sometimes just the mums on screen Yes. So when we moved online, we kind of um, explained that it wasn't about them sitting their baby in front of a screen to watch us teach the classes. It was about putting the screen out of reach for those babies that are on the move, because otherwise they'll just go over and, you know, tap it and disconnect it and all sorts. But (laughs) for them to put the screen out of reach we will lead the class and, you know, say right now we're going to do this and now we're going to do that. And it was more about them interacting one-to-one with their baby, just as they would do in class, but just without everybody else being around them. And really, as you've said yeah. just then, it really was the, the, the most important part of running those classes online was for the support of the mums. Yeah, it really Absolutely. was. And we we have a private Facebook 
group for anybody that's ever done classes with any of our any of us uh, teachers and we've got now over 600 members in there and it is it's a it's a what we call the mama's village community group it is a community it's people saying can I have recommendations on this can I have recommendations on that my baby does this should I be worried or it's you know sometimes people just post and go I'm having a really crap day I feel like I'm really struggling and you just see the barrage of messages of support of advice of reassurance and it is that support it's that it's the community feel mm-hmm. and you know we we go back to the old proverb of it takes a village to raise a child and we want to be part of that you know we want to support these mums we want to help them we always say our phones are on message us we will be here as much as you need us to be and when we went into that first lockdown we did loads of extra things we recorded loads of videos for play ideas we did weekly facebook live rhyme times we did in the most recent lockdowns anna who is our antenatal director and a midwife at frimley park hospital she did a monday morning coffee morning which was just live in our facebook group for anybody to come and have a chat sometimes there were two people but those two people might stick around for an hour and that might be the only adult conversation that they had that day we all recorded various different song and rhyme time sessions and we were uploading two of those every week so that you could watch them as and when suited you you know it didn't have the nap you didn't have to clash with nap time it wasn't live you could watch it as and when you wanted to it was suitable for young babies all the way up to toddlers you could adapt it and use it how you wanted we did weekly relaxation sessions because we're all trained and teach hypnobirthing so we would do every friday night one of us would read a hypnobirthing inspired i guess relaxation script And it was just about keeping that continuity, keeping that support going so that they felt like they had, they still had that support, which is just really, really vital and lacking. They've missed out, particularly first time mums have missed out on so much this year with even down to, you know, the really stripped back postnatal midwife visits. Yeah, you know, when I had my two, my two and our seven and three, when I had my daughter three years ago, I think I must have seen a midwife five times in the first 10 or 12 days of her life. They're just mm. people just seem to be keep, keep coming to my door. <laughs> I'm knocking, going, hello, I'm here to weigh the baby. Like, okay, come on in. But even that, taking that away, you know, in the middle of, you know, in the peak, whichever peak we want to look at, you know, they'd only have one visit. And the rest were over the phone. That's not the same. That's just, it's not the same. And we all know, having been mums, or we are mums ourselves, but how overwhelming it can be in those first couple of weeks with the messages, the gifts, the cards, the people checking in, the people knocking on your door and dropping off a lasagna, or plus the midwife visits, your partner being around because they're on parental leave. And then all of that starts to fade away and it all just gets quieter and it can feel really, really lonely. And without the classes to go to, it can just be day after day of loneliness and um, a bit of boredom. So it's um, it was definitely key for us to try and keep that online community going. And I feel like it was definitely well received and we still do nightly every night we do a post in our community group we will have a no sleep club so if anybody is awake in the middle of the night doing a night feed or up with a teething baby there's likely to be other people online that you can talk to at that time and we celebrate that in the morning if we log on and nobody's commented we're like oh wow (laughs) did everyone have a good night (laughs) you didn't need us yay yay i mean i should really join i should comment most nights with because my three-year-old is still up quite a lot but um, I know that feeling (laughs) yeah something that you 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 mentioned earlier on that I'm so uh, we did hypnobirthing when I had my first to varying degrees of in some respects it really helped and in other areas we didn't need particular tools that we'd you know learn and I'm guessing that's quite normal you take what you need and Mm -hmm. but how has hypnobirthing worked I, I'm really curious to know because obviously there was such a long period of time where partners weren't able to be there and partners, birth partners are a huge part of hypnobirthing. 
aren't they? That's part of the, you know, the the affirmations. And how did that work? Did you have to adapt that sort of side of it so that women were able to to channel various parts of it? How how does how does it work when you're looking at having facing birth by yourself? It was tricky because the big the biggest part of hypnobirthing and just generally preparing for your birth is the mental preparation of we always say you know going in with a positive and open mind and not to get too fixated on your ideal birth you know I I want to have this type of birth you know this is how I want to give birth don't laminate your birth plan basically it's Mm. but it's just it's also having the knowledge of knowing what could potentially happen and if there was a little bump in this birth plan that you have what kind of different avenues that could take you down you know just just generally preparing for labor and birth is it takes a lot of huge kind of a huge mental preparation but to try and get your head around the fact that you know if for example if you were to be induced most hospitals policies change that your partner had to drop you off you would begin the induction process alone and then your partner would get a phone call once you're in active labor but how long that could be well exactly if you go through the first two stages of the induction ladder we're talking three days in two or three Mm. days in yeah which you have to be really really mentally strong to cope with that but huge you know I, I don't think that anybody would say that this is how they had planned their maternity leave planned particularly those that had to birth alone for whatever reason how we started parenting in a pandemic the podcast is we ran a load of stories and one of the uh asked people to submit their stories and one of the first ones that we got was of a lady who had to do it alone and you know she recalls about how just how frightened she was it was her second baby and she wanted a hug from the from the midwives and they weren't able to do that. It's just something you don't ever think that you'll have to go through. And then in some cases, women were, were being told this within hours of, you know, new legislation coming in. I'm sorry, but we've had to change. I can't, I mean, it's just unfathomable. And that's sort of, you know, we've, we've talked about it a lot about the, the effects of this it's often the effects of birth, isn't it? It takes a long time for, like you said, you've got all this barrage of people visiting and there's stuff going on or cards, you've got various appointments. And then it's not until, for me as well, you know, I wouldn't say I had a traumatic birth, but it was certainly challenging, very challenging. And I think Liz would say the same. Um, and it's not until months down the line that you think, oh, I'm not sure if I am all right, actually. And I can imagine that this will happen this will start to happen now. Women will yeah. realise that what they went through was actually very traumatic. Yeah. Um, maybe seek help for, oh, I hope they do. I hope yeah, they do. I it hope must, so. It must have been really hard. You know, hard for you as well, being their teacher, being someone that you know, you know them, you've built a relationship with them. And then thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to have to, they'll be, they'll be going into labour, they're due soon and they're, you know, they're having to do this by themselves. That's really, really hard. Yeah, and saying to them, you know, keep an eye on your hospital's Facebook page because if they change their guidance, oh they're going to update their status. <laughs> That's not normal. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really not normal for maternity departments to be updating their Facebook status of, okay, so this is now what is allowed to happen. Your partner is allowed to attend at this point and not allowed to attend at this point. Really, really difficult for partners, particularly over the summer last year when they weren't allowed to go to scan appointments and had you know I had a lot of comments from partners saying you know when you say do you have any concerns is there anything that's concerning you how do you feel about labor about the labor and birth and a lot of comments came back of I don't really feel that connection with the baby yet Mm. you know mum's got all of these connections the physical the emotional um Mm. if you've got morning sickness that's obviously a (laughs) constant reminder that you're pregnant you've got the (laughs) the physical feeling the emotional feeling that mental you can you can feel that you know that you're pregnant not being able to go to a scan and not being able to see 
that yeah. sonographer showing you on the screen and pointing out, you know, here's the thigh bone, here's the little knee, here's the little toes. Not yeah. being able to be there for that, and you know, I I can't imagine what it had been, what it has been like for some mums that were told some really devastating news alone. That's just really really awful and I, I do think that there, there will be a big mental burden for a lot of people for a long time and I do think as you just said Fee that it will it will take a while maybe even a few more months further down the line maybe once we get back to some sort of level of normality that it might then start to hit home for a few people of actually that was really hard and I don't think that I really properly dealt with it you yeah. kind of particularly if you have a, a tricky labour or tricky birth or maybe an extended hospital stay or, mm-hmm. you know, something that you weren't really planning for. And then you just have to, you have to be a mum. You're then, you've got this newborn to look after. You just have to kind of keep treading water and getting through each day. But actually it's not until you really take a step back and think, my gosh, was was I okay? Did, am, am I yeah. Am I okay now? It's a very hard thing, isn't it? And I think when we've talked about this before many times because it's so powerful, but that that concept that, you know, one of the key triggers for feeling birth to be traumatic is being out of control. And you are so out of control in the pandemic. And I think even have you even if you haven't given birth during this year, there's a lot of a lot of healing that needs to take place from being so out of control for so long and not just as parents but as human beings you know being pushed from guideline to guideline being frightened at the same time and then suddenly we're sort of expected to just slip back into normal and go back to the pub and go back to work and back in the office and it's really frightening it's really frightening I was I was talking to um, the chief exec of Age UK today because we're hoping to run some classes for older people, different hat. And she was saying that actually they were expecting people who have been so severely isolated for so long to be chomping at the bit to get back to things. But they're frightened. They don't know where... When, when are you supposed to not be anxious anymore? Even if you're yeah. fully vaccinated, you've had both shots and you're ready to go. <laughs> you're just slipping back into normal life as if nothing has happened is... It's impossible, and it, it reminds me of that that moment when you've you've had your child, and and perhaps either you're going back to work or you're just just going home after being in hospital or wherever, sort of trying to fit back into the space you were in before, but everything has changed beneath you, and you're a completely different shape of person. Uh, but the hole you left was a different, you know, was the original shape. And how do you squeeze yourself back in? It's really it's really really challenging. And I, I feel like we don't have the support systems in place that we need to have to, to mm-hmm. deal with this. I'm not I'm talking not, not specifically in maternal healthcare, but universally we don't have the support systems in place for us to process all of this stuff. Yeah. You know, there's a mm-hmm. lot. There's a lot. And I, I really feel like any any service or support that you can access that gives you a feeling of positivity or connection, whatever you can do, whatever it is, do it do it yeah. <laughs> even if it's yeah. not perfect M- make some step to getting somewhere it's not going to be what it was before but somewhere back to you back to yourself is going to be absolutely vital isn't it yeah what are you hoping in terms of your job your classes your ladies well boris he has decided maybe not him personally but I'm going to stick the blame on him he's decided that only a maximum of six people can sing at one time in a class Mm. now that doesn't really work for me (laughs) it doesn't really work when you're running classes for more than five people so that's number one if we could just scrap that because we were allowed to do it before Christmas we were all allowed Mm. to sing together I just hope that I mean, I don't think that for some classes, I mean, particularly classes like Messy Play, where it would be a free-for-all, we would have those big tough trays and the babies would just be let loose and they could crawl all over one another and dribble on each other and touch each other and... 
share toys and, you know, put one thing in their mouth, drop it, and another baby would pick it up, you know. Oh, the good old days. Um, oh, I, don't, I don't think, yeah, oh, the germs, I know. Which at the time, everyone was like, oh, this is great. And now they you look back them. and you think, oh, God. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, actually. So I don't think we'll go back to that. I mean, we're running messy play at the moment, but every parent and baby has their own mat they have their own trays they are mm. they're playing on their own and it, and it is not the same it isn't mm. the same but I just hope that the classes in general whether it be a sensory class whether it be a messy play class whether it be um a newborn class I mean we run a newborn class that is more really about supporting the mum through that fourth trimester just telling you know trying to reassure them that everything's a phase and it it, and it will get better I just hope that these classes continue I mean I know a lot of classes have had to close because just financially it's just not worthwhile we're having to pay for bigger venues for longer periods because of all the cleaning in between classes we're having to run on reduced numbers so in terms of financial impact it has been huge for many of us uh lots of us not earning anything um for months last year and not saying sorry that that's there's kind of this is all for financial gain that's not what I mean but just I do hope that these classes can continue and that the mums feel that they are of benefit not just for baby to socialize but that it is really about them being out and about and just having general conversation talking to another adult because you know it's really nice to spend all day with a baby but they really don't have great chat you know they can be, <laughs> it can be mind-numbingly dull to spend all day on your own oh it's so hard to admit how boring it is isn't it so you know, boring yeah. there's oh such a stigma God. about saying i don't enjoy this this is not fun but particularly as well i think as a generation the huge you know a vast majority of mums are very career driven before then making that decision to have a family so it's a huge jump and a huge life change to make to go from being this career driven person where work is all consuming to then stopping work going on maternity leave and then becoming mum and that kind of transition in itself is hard enough, but throw in a pandemic with, yes. <laughs> on top of that. And it can be um, as quite a huge mental kind of uh, hurdle to overcome in a way. And I just yeah. hope that oh, you just want everyone to be okay. And if they're not okay, to just say that they're not okay and f- hope that everybody feels that they can talk to somebody, mm-hmm. whether it be someone Absolutely. that they know or somebody that you know, that is a little bit removed from them. But you just want babies to be babies as well. Maybe in a couple of months' time down the line, we won't have to be sitting two metres apart from the next baby yeah. and they can be a little bit closer and then a little bit closer and then a little bit closer. And all germy. You want them to be germy. Oh, yeah. You want them to yeah, lick exactly. each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's what babies do. Yeah, exactly. It's what babies do. But I, I do think... think it's important as well for the mums to be, or the parents to be in a group environment where they can see that I think we get really, really bogged down with milestones and my baby mm. should be doing this and my baby should be doing that and should yes. be sleeping through the night, should be sitting up, should have teeth, <laughs> should have hair. Oh, it's all a load of, you know, every yeah. baby is different and to have that reassurance that every baby is different you know I've got one-year-olds in class that have no teeth mm. I've got nine months old who are walking I've yeah. got three-year-old daughter of mine who doesn't sleep through the night I've got a six-week-old baby who sleeps through the night and naps you know that they're all just so different yeah. but to yeah. feel to not feel like you're isolated to not feel like you're alone to not feel like you're the only one going through this mm. should just hopefully give them that little 
pep or that little boost that they might need. They might be feeling really low and that they're not doing a great job, but doing everybody is doing their best. I was just going to say, I, I think the, the, the ethos that you're talking about as a practitioner of, you know, reassessing, finding new ways to get through things, grouping together, changing your frameworks, you know, adapting, giving a bit more, you know, looking at things differently is, is exactly how all of us have needed to respond to this last year. It's, it's the same, isn't it? Whether you're doing it as a business or you're just doing it as a parent or you're doing it as an employee or as a partner, whatever the, the status you choose to, to pick, to look at, we all have multiples of those. It's all about just having the patience and the strength to, to adapt to the changing landscape around you and I and I do in my line of work I I see just the most incredible creativity and resilience and I don't mean resilience as in taking anything that's thrown at you I mean resilience as in changing to the things mm. that are thrown at you adapting and moving and shifting and um and I think that's that's what we need to do as mothers but in order to do that you have to come from a place of strength and we come from a place of as you were saying earlier being completely you know discombobulated trying to put ourselves back together and so for for all the mothers listening who are experiencing that feeling reach out for these foundations and these networks and whatever they are whether they're ones you pay for or ones you access for free whether it's a friend you haven't spoken to for ages but who also has kids whether it's a family member whether it's your next door neighbor reach out to somebody to to access some kind of mama's village yeah. because you need you need it you need that support and that connection to to be able to adapt to what's being thrown at you and to work through it yeah definitely yeah, totally thank you so much for for coming on and chatting to us you're welcome thank and, you for um, me. yeah I hope the numbers can go back to yes. what they were for everybody's sake <laughs> for yours yeah. for theirs for ours you know as soon as it's safe to do so and let the babies lick each other. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we want. a day where they can lick stuff. Slides as they're going down. Fee. Wasn't that Penny licking slides yeah. in the park? Yeah, yeah roundabouts, everything. Whatever she can, <laughs> she'll lick it. It's been great. Thank you so much. Thank and, you very much. Um, yeah, just the best of luck with everything. And I Thank hope that you. you continue to grow that you you obviously have done in the last you know, however long, a few years, and the things go back to how they were before when you were totally booked out. And I'm sure it will happen very quickly. Thank you. Yeah. Fingers crossed that your three-year-old sleeps through soon, huh? Yes. Oh, well, yeah. she did last <gasps> night, so I'm not I'm not banking Whoa. on it. I think that would be unheard of if she slept through two nights in a row. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, assume she won't, and then maybe she will. Exactly. As soon as you think that she will, then you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to a Parenting in a Pandemic podcast from Fee and Liz at Becoming Mums. Please subscribe for new episodes and follow us at becomingmums.com or via our Instagram and Facebook pages. 